Jesus, man, he got some good news for you. Hey, everybody, gather near. The doctor's in the house, so lend him your ear. The things he can say might even make your day. He might even help your pain go away. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in the house. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored. Welcome and thank you for joining us. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician or healthcare provider. Uh, again, I thank the people over at Feeds, Feedspot. Their note to me was, I would like to personally congratulate you as your website, Dr. Ron, Unfiltered, Uncensored, has been selected by our panelists as one of the top 50 doctor podcasts on the web. So thank you at feedspot.com. Check them out. And I do welcome you with an attitude of gratitude. And I hope that we can make happiness a lifestyle. Gratitude has measurable effects, ladies and gentlemen, because it affects mood neurotransmitters like serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. It it does affect inflammatory cytokines, immune function, blood pressure, blood sugar, testosterone, oxytocin, and cortisol. And gratitude has also been linked to improved self-care, such as getting exercise, eating well, and getting regular health checkups, leading to fewer health complaints and doctor visits. And our, that's what we've been talking about starting last week is our, is our health. And I just want to reemphasize that our diet and your diet and my diet is not only what you eat, it is what you watch, what you listen to, what you read, the people you hang around, be mindful of the things you put into your body emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So today we'll continue on what is health. And uh, 
see why almost everybody is going to have a disease because of the expanded definitions of disease so that the pharmaceutical companies can have a pill for every ill and it will soon be possible for everyone to be sick. And guess what? If you're sick, your doctor's going to give you a pill. Before I get on with today's show, though, a couple of things I'd like to talk about. Number one, uh, I want to talk about the, what they're saying about the vaccinated people and uh, how they're causing, uh, how the unvaccinated are causing the problem. Well, if you look at the Defender, Children's Health Defense News and Views by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he has an article here, uh, how the CDC manipulated data to create a pandemic of the unvaxxed. So we've been hearing that if you, if those that have not had the jab or the cause of this COVID case-demic, lots of cases, so the summary of his article is that according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the White, ha uh, White House and most mainstream media, they're saying what we have now is a pandemic of the unvaccinated with 95 to 99% of COVID-related hospitalizations and deaths being attributed to the unvaxxed. To achieve the statistic, the CDC included hospitalization and mortality data from January through June. The vast majority of the United States population was unvaccinated during that time frame. By January 1st, only a half a percent of the U.S. population had received a COVID shot. By mid-April, it was estimated that 31% had received one or more shots. And as of June 15th, 48.7% were fully vaxxed. Natural immunity offers a robust protection against all variants, whereas vaccine-induced immunity cannot. The reason for this is because when you recover from a natural infection, you have antibodies and T-cells against all parts of the virus, not just the spike protein. According to Fauci, the Delta variant is both more transmissible and more dangerous than the original virus and previous variants, but real-world data show it, it is actually weaker and far less dangerous, even though it does spread more easily. So you can read this uh, article on The Defender. Uh, it, it, it explains how statistics are used to, to control a narrative. And how the statistics can be tremendously misleading. But then again, if, if you hear them enough from the mainstream media and from the uh, bureaucrats, uh, you know, you start uh, to wonder what's going on. So they use a period of time when most of the United States was not vaxxed. That's how they, they were able to come up with those numbers. So that's number one. Let's get rid of that. The other thing is, is that on August 16th in the Defender, the headline is the reports of injuries, 
deaths after COVID vaccines climbed steadily as FDA, CDC signed off on the third shot for immunocompromised. According to the Defender, data released August 13th by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention showed that between December 14th and August 6th, a total of 571,831 total adverse events were reported to VAERS. VAERS means the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. That included 12,791 deaths which was a increase of 425 over the previous week. There were 77,490 reports of serious injuries, including deaths during the same period, which was up 7,385. Again, this is on the Defender, August 16th. Excluding foreign reports that are also filed in VAERS, 451,049 adverse events, 5,859 deaths, and 36,871 serious injuries in the United States. And it was estimated that we have dosed out 349.8 million vaxes or jabs. So now you have an idea of what's going on. And, and that is a great, uh, great resource, uh, the Defender. But let's go a little bit further before we get on with our show. And, and this is an article that was posted today by an uh, investigative reporter, John Rappaport. He and Cheryl Atkinson are really the only two investigative reporters that I know right now. They really dig in and get the facts and just don't read from a a teleprompter sheet that's been supplied to them. And John says today that a bomb, number one, there's a bombshell. The bombshell, Alex Burnson, former New York Times reporter, August 6th, quote, COVID vaccine maker Moderna received 300,000 reports of side effects after vaccinations over a three-month period following the launch of, its, launch of its shot. According to internal reports from a company that helps Moderna manage the reports, 300,000 reports of side effects from Moderna. But that quote, that figure is far higher than the number of side effect reports about Moderna vaccine publicly available in the federal system that tracks such events. Three hundred thousand adverse effects that were not reported to the federal database. And John goes on to quote about the employees of the company IQVIA uh, that, that helps drug makers manage clinical trials that's headquartered in North Carolina with 74,000 employees. A confidential report for internal distribution only stated, quote, a person with access to the Presentation provided screenshots of the relevant slide, which clearly explains 300,000 side effects. 
over a three-month span. Other people are coming forward and state telling us that more deaths have report, been reported to VARES from COVID shots than from all other vaccines combined for the last 30 years. They're reporting about a code of silence. There's probably a lot of reasons for that. It's been postulated that uh, professional judgment or malpractice could be involved. So deaths and injuries are being grossly underreported, ladies and gentlemen. The Doctors for COVID Ethics did openly accuse our government and media of lying. And it's important to remember that these figures that are reported are but a small percentage of the actual figures. So this is what we're, we're dealing with. I've said from the beginning, we need a transparency. We apparently don't have it as, as I would hope for. Even the Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare Inc. study stated that adverse events from vaccines are common, but underreported with less than 1% reported to the Food and Drug Administration. Okay, well, we're not going to belabor that, but you, you get the idea that uh, that's what's going on. And just today, from Medscape, headline is U.S. healthcare ranks last among 11 high income countries. The takeaway from this is. The U.S. healthcare system ranks last overall among 11 high-income countries despite spending the highest percentage of the gross domestic product on healthcare, according to a report by the Commonwealth Fund. And I think I, I mentioned this when we started talking about health. We spend the most in the world and rank near the bottom. We're great for trauma. We don't do good, so good with other diseases and chronic diseases. Okay, so we want to be healthy. And we came up last week with the World Health Organization. What they said is health. And they said that it is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Is that a good is that a good definition? Well, it's definitely not just the absence of disease because we 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 talked about well, if health is the absence of disease and disease is the absence of health. You keep going around in a circle, right? So, what is health? Well, maybe we should be defining health 
differently and more positively. If you are not having a full loving life of creativity and joy, then you had best get to work improving your nourishment inputs. Man was made for the joy of life. Man was meant to be always happy, healthy, horny, and high. Where this means the joy of living, physical and mental durability, sexually, sensually alive, and with a spirit, heart, mind that is naturally tuned into the joy of life without drugs or other tricks. More encompassing and encompassing our mind, body, and spirit. And we have to get away from the uh, overdiagnosis so that we don't get trapped into being ill. The drug companies will tell you you're sick or your doctor will say you're sick, but you just don't know it yet. And we talked about how they come up with diseases by a bunch of symptoms. And now they're medicalizing ordinary life to come up with diseases. They're expanding disease definition and lowering the diagnostic thresholds. So now, you know what? Maybe it's not a bad thing. We'll all be, uh, it'll be possible for all of us to be sick and require pharmacological intervention drugs. And as, as I said last week, we have pre-hypertension. We'll be having pre-pre-hypertension and pre-pre-diabetes. You're not sick. Well, if you're not sick, you, the powers of be will say you haven't had a, enough tests yet, but we'll find something. So uh, we have to be careful of our healthcare providers and their prescription pads. So we don't get caught in this trap. We have to find out and find a healthcare provider that can come up with a better approach. Sometimes watchful waiting or conservative management is a better approach. Or as I had a physician teacher who would say a tincture of time. And less is more when it comes to medicine. Okay. So you know, for that bandwagon, but you know where we're coming from. We have to be the CEOs of our own body. Okay. We have to take control of body, mind, and spirit. Just like they do in a little town there called Acciroli in Southwest Italy. It's the home to an extraordinarily high number of centenarians, over a hundred. More than one in 10 of the population of 700 is over a hundred. And it's been studied. 
It's been analyzed. They've done blood samples. They have, they have very low levels of adrenomedulin. Levels similar to people in their 20s and 30s. High levels cause your blood vessels to constrict, causing high blood pressure, circulatory problems, heart disease. So it was much, re- much reduced in this population in s- southwest Italy. The researchers did not find the exact cause, but they, they believe it is related to diet and exercise. The people there tend to eat locally. They locally caught fish, home-reared rabbits and chickens, as well as olive oil and homegrown vegetables and fruit. And they all ate rosemary which is thought to improve brain function. How about that? First time we've seen rosemary in a, in a longevity study. And those living in that region suffered fewer diseases than those living in other Western countries. They found that they didn't have all sorts of chronic diseases like we see in the United States. Remember, Over the last 34 or 40 years, chronic diseases went from 12% to 54% in the United States. Guess what else they didn't find? They found that people living in Acheroli do not suffer from cataracts. And who of us that are in their 80s don't know someone that's had cataract operations and implants? And for you guys and gals out there, among the elderly appears to be rampant. Dr. Mazel's quote, maybe living long has something to do with that. It's probably the good air and the joy of life. Ansel Keys, who really was the, uh, gave us all those uh, unsaturated fats. He actually moved there. Guess he finally found the light. And he lived to be a hundred living in. Okay, so every, we also we'll talk a little bit about the diet and exercise. And because uh, that's really uh, important. We have to keep moving. Running water doesn't freeze. We have to keep moving. So just a couple general rules about a diet. It's not a menu now, it's a diet. A few general rules. Number one, let your appetite dictate your eating times. Don't try not to eat except when you're hungry. And it's been found that those with poor appetites will find that their appetite will increase when sugars and starches are restricted. So only eat when you're hungry. Second rule, eat food in whole forms as much as possible because whole foods, as provided by nature, either cooked or raw, provide nutrition in the least concentrated form. Thus, fruit, 
a sugar food is more desirable than the equivalent amount of refined sugar. And I, you know, we have talked about fructose and corn syrup deadly, as are the aspartames. They're called diet, right? They have the DIE right. They should have left off the T. Number three, don't combine sugars with proteins. You won't hear that very much, but there that was really in vogue when people were really healthy. So desserts and fruits should only be eaten several hours after eating and between meals. So you don't want to have a nice steak dinner, a good fish dinner, and then follow that up uh, with dessert, unless you wait several hours. And there's lots of reasons for it. The main reasons uh, are it de- the, the sugars decompose rapidly while the proteins take a little bit longer, and there's usually, usually some fat with them, and uh, the uh, sugar breaks down to uh, carbon dioxide and, and water. Number four, eat animal source foods not contaminated with preservatives. And eat eat your uh, uh, animal foods in moderation, okay? And and even with your vegetables, uh, they should be not as, as natural as possible. And number five, eat raw foods with every meal. And that could be a salad, right? And number six, Eat small meals, but eat as often as you're hungry. Many persons overeat at one particular meal and thus overload their digestive process, whereas the same amount of food eaten in smaller quantities several times a day would not impose this burden on your digestive processes. And uh, from a conference I went to 25 years ago, special rules, tomatoes with meat, vegetable juices are excellent, cabbage instead of lettuce, honey, vinegar, yogurt, and molasses for salad dressings. And I will add there that it is really good for your health if you can find local honey. And again, no hydrogenated fats, none of those trans fats. And you want to, if you want a snack in between meals, try to snack on vegetables. You'll be surprised how good you feel. You take a lot of stress off of your metabolism. If you can eat this way, uh, I've had patients tell me that they have more energy, no fewer digestive symptoms, and their nervous system feels better. And they're avoiding constipation. So just some general uh, ideas about diet without giving you a menu. And a lot of the so-called experts are telling you, you do not need to take supplements. Well, I say you're right. They're right. If the soil was virgin, if our ancestors had been perfect, If we could raise our own food on healthy soil and eat it fresh. If foods were not harvested green and immature. 
if storage did not produce efficiencies in vitamins, if refinement, processing, and enrichment and synthetic sub-situations were not a reality, if the animals we eat were fed a perfect diet, they're not. If insecticides did not penetrate every cell of our food, but they do. If the animals were not force-fed and hormone-fed to increase their weight and make an earlier market day, which they are. If most of our grains were not refined into dried cereals, which they are. If our white sugar possessed anything more nutritive than sand, it does not. If our modern white flour was all used for wallpaper paste instead of baked goods, which it is not. If our foods were not overcooked, but most of them are. Then you know what? I would agree. You wouldn't need a vitamin pill. Okay, look, the um, Mediterranean diet has also been around forever. And it's the best diet for your health and your brain. It definitely has cognitive benefits, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And uh, we could talk about a Mediterranean diet that would take up a whole show. But we should do that. And um, just want to remind you, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit as later on this morning about this diet aspartame. You know, they got the dye right. All right. So, well, I was going to talk more on the on the Mediterranean diet, but I lost my notes. Sorry. Anyway, so now we have to talk about movement, exercise. Okay, we have to trust our body. I found an interesting article on exercise, if I can find it. Basically, it says, if you want to run, have someone chase you with an axe. Therefore, you get, you'll have a reason to be running. No, I can't find it. So, you know, there are natural ways to exercise. Gardening is one of them. Just walking and observing nature. You don't have to uh, pound the, t the, the pavement. You don't have to overdose or megadose on exercise. Yeah, so the quote was, it, it is suggested that if you want to jog, then have, have someone chase you with a stick. This will tell your brain that you're running for a good reason and gear, gear up your body appropriately for the flight. And everything shouldn't be competitive. You know, even Dr. Kenneth Cooper recanted four years ago his aerobics. You can find that on the internet. He recanted aerobics, Dr. Kenneth Cooper, who 
who I had the pleasure of meeting when I was in the Army in Texas. He was in the Air Force. You know, nature did not design us to mindlessly run, mindlessly run, just for the sake of running. Or for the abstract sense that we're going to be healthy. For some, it's probably better than no exercise at all. But most of the time, running more than five miles per day, that could be considered a mega dose of exercise. And anything you mega dose, vitamins, drugs, exercise, it does more harm than good to our bodies. So, health and disease, huh? It's more than just our bodies, it's our mental well being also. And the spirit, heart, mind, geez, that's difficult. Difficult to define and to work with. And it's probably the most important because it involves this, the sum of, of all the stimuli and inputs that come into come into our body. So maybe we should just uh, be more conscious of loving of hugging of kissing of compassion, of creativity, of peace of sharing. We sort of lost that this past year. And most of us have felt and known that it is essential to our existence. But we've sort of lost that. So we've got to get back to mindful relationships. Okay, so I want to play something for you if, you, if you'll indulge me. I heard this this morning for the uh, uh, repeat time, and uh, it's a Paul Harvey piece. It's three minutes long, and it, it was, it was uh, recorded in 1965. I think it's, a, it, it's good today, too. Uh, let me just play this real quick. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in 
how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, You'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Well, the audio was a little bit scratchy, but you get the idea. Was that man great or what? So we want to be healthy. We want to control our weight. Okay. And, and do we want to do it with artificial sweeteners? Diet sweeteners. We've been told they're good for maintaining a healthy weight. They've been, we've been sold that they would satisfy a diabetic sweet tooth without affecting blood sugar. And yet, one of the characteristic issues with all of these non-nutritive sweeteners is that when you separate caloric content from the taste of sweetness, you short circuit one of the most ancient, hardwired, physiological, pathways in the human body. Our bodies were designed to anticipate the immediate availability of sugar. When it, when it is a uh, sense of sweetness, it, in, it automatically gets our stomachs ready with gastric secretions. The initial phase of, of when food enters our mouth and then into our stomach involves taste and smell. This means aspartame's intense sweetness will cause the release of neurochemicals such as dopamine, pancreatic hormones, insulin, 
And what does that do? It signals us to get more sugar in us. Otherwise, we get low blood sugar. If no sugar is available, this could result in hypoglycemia. And then the elevated levels of insulin stay in your body. They continually stimulate your appetite and the molecular processes associated with storage of fat. Splenda does the same thing. So that your body is anticipating some glucose from the sweetness of these artificial sweeteners. It doesn't get it. If it doesn't get it, you, you're going to lay down fat. Or you're going to have a, a, an urge to have that uh, cheesecake. So they are not ideal weight controls, aids, uh, nor are they aids for diabetics. When I talked about endocrine disruptors, I could have put them in, 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 the, in the list because they disrupt the normal release of, release of hormones like insulin. And they may even contribute to insulin resistance. There was a study in a journal called Appetite it actually found that saccharin and aspartame induce greater weight gain in adult rats. And we've been told that it's good for your teeth, especially aspartame. Well, not so. Not so. An article in the Archives of Oral Biology indicates that it does, in fact, contribute to demineralization of the enamel of our, our teeth. So it doesn't help with our diet. It really doesn't prevent tooth decay. And it may cause us to get fatter. And there's lots of studies relating to aspartame and and it's carcinogenic properties, but we're not going to get into that, but you could look that up. Uh, it's been studied from the Nurses Health Study. And that was reported in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. They found that men who consume one or more servings of diet soda a day had an average of 31% increased risk of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and 102% increased risk of multiple myeloma in comparison to men who did not drink diet soda. And remember, aspartame breaks down into methanol. That's really toxic. And that, that gets oxidized into formaldehyde. And we talked about that last week. You can embalm yourself. Isn't that great? Now, there are, there are studies out there that show that aspartame is neurotoxic. It contains 40% aspartic acid by weight. It's capable of stimulating your nerves so much to the point that they'll die. 
Sound good, huh? So basically, this does not belong in our bodies. It's an avoidable chemical exposure. If you want to live long and die die young as you're at an old age, you got to avoid these non-nutritive sweeteners. So it's not only what we do, something some things we have to do negatively. That means we have to get rid of these things out of our diet. And we should just stick, as I said, with my six rules. You know, stick with moderate consumption of naturally sweet foods. Don't eat them uh, right after protein or fat. Now, I will tell you, if you're looking for a sweetener, that honey, xylitol, and stevia may provide a natural alternative to these sweeteners. But we don't know yet if there may be some unintended consequences when you divorce the caloric content from that sensation of sweetness. Can we get a backlash like we do with the other non-nutritive sweeteners? I don't know the answer to that yet. But if you need a little something, locally grown honey, stevia, and xylitol may be options for you. So, you know, one takeaway I will tell you is, you know, no form of dieting is worth dying for. Especially when we go ahead and start tricking our bodies into thinking we're get, it's going to get something and it doesn't get it. So these non-nutritive sweeteners, not really good. And, you know, and others, I have a list of studies here they call cola cancer in a can cancer in a can because cola also has a caramel coloring for methylimidazole it's already been linked to lung cancer in mice consumer reports actually test it 81 cans and found levels of four mil, I'll just call it, 12 times above the safe limit. Soda a day, one soda a day, ups your cardiovascular disease risk by 30%. Just read you some headlines of, of articles. Artificial sweeteners are linked to glucose intolerance. They, they studied aspartame sucralose saccharin caused glucose abnormalities in mice and some humans, published in the journal Nature. Quote, we found that artificial sweeteners may drive an exaggerated elevation in blood glucose levels, the very same condition that we often aim to prevent by consuming them. An in-depth study 
scientific review of sucralose, otherwise known as Splenda, reveals an extensive list of safety concerns, including toxicity, DNA damage, and a heightened carcinogenic potential when used in cooking because of what it releases when it's cooked. Dioxin. And, you know, we talk since the whole scamdemic started about uh, our microbiome and our gut. Well, sucralose can destroy 50% of your microbiome. So here you are taking the mega spores and your probiotics and prebiotics. You have uh, something with sucralose in it. You just knocked off 50% of your immunity in your gut. Think about that. Even though it's perceived as being healthier than regular soft drinks because it contains these artificial sweeteners and no calories, it's not so true. It also can increase your risk of stroke. And diacetis can be addictive. So having a stroke and being addictive doesn't sound like a great... Great combination of things to do if you want to live long and be healthy. So don't let they, these sweeteners trick you into thinking, uh, you know, you're, trick your body because your body's going to get back at you. And we don't need a lot of insulin, extra insulin. We only need it to uh, use up the, the, the good uh, glucose that we ingest as food. <clears throat> Too much insulin, you're going to have a fat storage problem. You know, when you have a lot of insulin, it is a fat storage hormone and lays fat down in your belly. And then you burn fewer calories and then you're hungry and then you crave more sugar. So just think about that. You eat more, you have a slower metabolism, you lay down more fat. And you think you're not eating very much and you still get heavier. So we want to be healthy. So there's some things we have to talk about that aren't so nice. You got to give up those diet sodas. And if you, if you uh, have a death wish, you want to get the fast track to diabetes, go ahead and use these artificial sweeteners. They've been called a wolf's in sheep's clothing. Okay. So sweetness without calories, your body's going to get back at you. And study after study that you don't hear about. I bet you even your, your healthcare provider doesn't talk to you about artificial sweeteners. So let me tell you about something good. If you, if you want to boost your longevity, well, it's part of the Mediterranean diet. <clears throat> it can reduce 
the risk of death by as much as 8%. Now, this research comes out of Spain. And it goes beyond, you know, uh, the Mediterranean diets, olive oil, vegetables, and fruits. Can add about five years to your life. That sound pretty good? One small change, big results. What do you think it is? Well, people that follow the Mediterranean diet eat plenty of tuna, salmon, and anchovies and other fatty fish. Now, we know that fatty fish are good for your heart, but how about you can have a longer life? You have those omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, which are also part of the parent essential oils that Professor Peskin recommends. According to Spanish scientists, having higher blood levels, omega-3s, could help you outlive your peers by as much as five years. You could even reduce your risk of death as much as quitting smoking. Well, I hope you have quit smoking, but you would have a similar outcome. All right. And people with don't, 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 if you go look this up, I know it's 4.7 years, but I just rounded it off. And it was done with thousands of older folks. Okay. And they just weren't talking about cardiovascular disease. This was a study that looked at mortality from all causes. So uh, up your fatty fish. You remember uh, we did a program about a month ago on sardines. That little island off of Italy called Sardinia, they eat tons of sardines, as do they in Acciaroli, that's a little town in southwest of Naples, where they have uh, a lot of centenarians. And you want to eat wild-caught fish, please, not farm-raised fish. So... That's my two cents for today. I want to thank uh, Dr. T T for joining us. And uh, I do apologize for the Paul Harvey audio, but that's the only one I had. And uh, we'll continue to talk about health because uh, with everything going around, we have to have a superior interior. We have to have a strong immune system, which means we have to, really control what we put into our bodies. 80% of our immunity is in our gut. I can't say that enough times. And a happy gut makes a happy brain. If you have a leaky gut, you're going to have a leaky brain. And you don't want toxic materials leaking into your brain. You don't want metals in your brain. You don't want pesticides, glyphosate, mercury. You don't want to put that phone up near your ear. You put your phone up near your ear, you open up those channels to your brain. You don't want that. So we not only want to live a lot of years, we want to live those years young and healthy. So that'll be the topics for the next couple of weeks. So, uh, and some of them will be things to do and some will be things not to do. Like today, I hope you get a... Got the idea of artificial non-nutritive sweeteners. 
You can't play with mother nature. I mean, it's good for the, the companies that make it, but it's not good for you. And then it's good for the pharmaceutical companies, huh? a pill for every ill. So they can make you sick. And remember, your skin is your largest organ of your body. It's also the most porous. So be careful what you shower with, what you shampoo with, what sunscreens you put on your body, what conditioners you use. Look out for those ingredients. If you can't pronounce it, don't use it. Go for the, it's a little bit more expensive, probably go to go natural, but what's your life worth, huh? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I, I do appreciate your patience with me. I know I talked a lot today. Usually don't go this long, but thank you. Thank you, Dr. T again, and uh, everyone else that joined in. So we'll see you again this weekend. And we'll just continuing, I'll continue to give you my ideas of how to be healthy. And most people say, well, you know, I had, I had a mother and father that lived over a hundred and they said, what's in the genes, but you know what? Only 10% of your genes influence your longevity. The other 90% is diet and lifestyle and lifestyle mean body, mind, and spirit, having a good positive attitude, having an attitude of gratitude. Don't hang around negative people. It's contagious. Be careful emotionally, spiritually. Meditate. Keep moving. So um, thank you so much. And my dear friend, Freddie, will close us out until we see you this weekend. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. And it's all about good health. He's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. Or when the doctor is in the house. And let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. If you have a pain, call the doctor. If you have a strain, call the doctor. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. See you next week. <laughs>